I'm Lindsay Hotmeyer, and welcome to Storyhouse. This is a podcast about growing your business, but it's also about slowing down the noise so you can give the world the best parts of who you are. So if you've struggled with all the buzz around storytelling only to feel like you don't have a story worth sharing, or if you're tired of being forced on the wheel of marketing that doesn't feel right, but also feels impossible to ignore, then be sure to meet me here every week to hear from real business owners as we dismantle all the should-dos and must-dos of business. Hear how they've wrestled through their own struggles and walk away with strategies that help you authentically and sustainably grow, scale, or pivot the business you've built. CEO of Sales Maven, Nikki Rausch, has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 plus years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners now hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically. Nikki has written three books, all available on Amazon, and she has a podcast called Sales Maven, which you can find on your favorite podcast platform. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to dig in with you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to spend this time with you. Yeah, I'm just, you know, have spent some time with your stuff on your site, just looking over you know, all of your content and you have an approach to sales that just like wraps its arms around me and gives me a hug. It's like whispers, <laughs> it's going to be okay, Lindsay, you can do this. <laughs> One of the things that you teach your clients is how to use what you call the selling staircase. I'm really curious about it. So can you talk to us a little bit about it and, yeah. and tell us how it really does help us sell more authentically and confidently? Yes, I'm happy to. So just to give a little context to it, I have a pretty extensive background in neuro-linguistic programming. If that's a new term to anybody listening, it's essentially the study of communication. And one of the presuppositions of NLP is that there is a structure to excellence. And when you can show somebody a structure that they can follow, essentially like a process or a framework then they can incorporate that into their own life or business, whatever the topic is, and see success with it. So when I was teaching sales strategy and concepts and how to have more successful sales conversations, it was so apparent to me that if I could put it in a structure that people could follow for a sales conversation, it would increase their success rate. So the Selling Staircase was born as my signature framework for a sales conversation. And it's broken into five steps. And the reason it's a staircase is because people, most people understand that up a staircase, you go one step at a time. So it's like you're on this step and now you move to this, this step and then you move to the next step. And one of the big mistakes that people often make in sales is they go right in for the close. They, they don't follow the process. And because they skip a bunch of steps, you leave people feeling frustrated, sometimes annoyed, and sometimes confused by the conversation. And we're all on the receiving end of this, right? Like if you look in your inbox today, you probably have people that are like hard selling you immediately. And you're like, who are you? I don't even have a need for what it is that you're that you're proposing to me. And I didn't even give you permission. Mm-hmm. And it's such a rapport breaker. And it's just because they don't follow the process. So I have found that Having this five-step process to sales allows for people to bring their own personality, their own unique, genuine approach and have some structure so that they can increase their success. So, and I can break down the selling staircase as much as you want. You tell me where you want to go next. Would love to know what are some or all of those five steps. Yeah. So the, the five steps, the first step is the introduction step. And the idea here is to make a powerful first impression. And that happens online, that happens on your website, that happens when people are meeting you, that happens on your podcast. Like there's all kinds of opportunities for you to make a powerful first impression. Step two is create curiosity. This is the most missed step in the selling process. Most business owners, if you ask them, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business? They look at you with a blank stare and be like, what, what, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And yet it's such an important piece because if you skip this step, it's very, very hard to move to the next step in a process with somebody. So you actually will miss out on working with clients if you don't know how to create curiosity. Now, when you're able to create curiosity, 
really beautiful, wonderful things happen. People lean in, they're interested. They want to know more about what it is that you do. So then you move them to step three in the process, which I call discovery. Now there's lots of names for what this is. Some people call this a sales call. Some people call it a consultation call. The reason I teach it as discovery is because the objective when you're in this step is not to sell. The objective is to understand the person you're in conversation with. Do they have a need or a want? And do you have a solution that will match that need or want? And that's, so it's, it really is a discovery step. So we're, we're trying to ascertain, am I talking to a prospective client or not? And if the answer is no, this isn't a good fit, or I don't have a solution, or they don't really need what it is that I sell, then you bless and release. Mm -hmm. And which I think is really important in the process, you know, trying to earn somebody's business who doesn't have a need for what it is. It's, it's like banging your head against the wall, which is so frustrating to people. And then it makes them feel less than, or like, oh, I can't sell. It's like, well, you're not actually selling to people who want to be sold to. So there's a difference. So once you do the discovery, then you move to step four, which is proposal. Step four really is where the selling happens. And then proposal and step five go really close together. Step five is close. Step five is the second most missed step in the selling process. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of people will make it to step four with a prospective client and then they'll, and here's how you know that you're not closing is people aren't making decisions. They start ghosting you. You don't, you're you're like, should I follow up with them or what should I do next? Mm -hmm. Chances are you're not closing. And if you don't close in the selling process, you don't give people the opportunity to make the decision to hire you. So it is language that is really important that you get out of your mouth during that conversation. You have to go in for the close because either they'll say yes to hiring you, or maybe they'll have an objection or they'll have a question. And if you don't get to the objection, if you don't get to that question, you're not going to earn their business. And maybe they'll have a different response, or maybe they'll just say no, which again, is good information for you. If you get all the way to the close and they say no, it's absolutely okay for you to check and say, you know, can, is it okay to ask your reason for declining working together? Because if you've done all the steps all the way to the close and they say, no, there's some, some kind of a breakdown here. And that's really good information for you. doesn't mean you're going to change their mind, but it may actually help you be better in the next sales call. So we want to know, and you've got to get to the close in order to exchange dollars for services. So that's okay. the most big of the five-step process. That's just, it's just crazy. It sounds so crazy, but I, I get it and I feel it, you know, cause it is really hard to ask for that. Yeah. Two questions of curiosity there with that proposal and close process. I've had sales coaches who have insisted that I do the proposal and close process live all in one call. And mm-hmm. I personally have always resisted that because I'm a processor. Like I want to see, okay, this is what you're offering me. I need to go away into my quiet space and really think this through because when every time I've done this now twice, every time I've made decisions on the fly with somebody who does the proposal and close on the phone and I'm like, okay, yes, I always regret it. I always. Mm-hmm. And so I just refuse to do that to my clients, even knowing that like people have great success with that approach. And so mm-hmm. what's your take on that? So my take is that you need to take your cues from the client that you're in conversation with. There will be people who actually do want to close on that call with you. And if you don't go in for the close, if you don't at least offer them the opportunity to work with you, you probably, well, you could likely miss out on working with, with them in the future. Not because they don't need you and not because they don't want you, It's because people have decision fatigue and we're overwhelmed and bombarded with all kinds of decisions that we have to make in a day. I don't know, Lindsay, if you've heard this, but there's a statistic out there about how many decisions on average an adult makes in a day. Have you heard that? Uh, if I have, I, I could not spit the number back out at you. Okay. Well, if you had to guess, if you're, if you're willing to play and for the listener too, if you're willing to play on average, how many decisions do you think you make a day? Oh my goodness. So right now I'm, I'm imagining one of those jars filled with marbles where yeah, I have to get yeah. the number of marbles. Yeah. And so that's, that's what exactly I feel like we're that's, playing. 
Yeah, that's what that's like. That's what I'm imagining. All the decision Lindsay has to make in a day looks like that jar of marbles. So it would be like 500. Yeah. So they say and, the and like math is not my strong suit. So you asking me to game play a game of probabilities is just I know it's so mean. <laughs> you could be like, why did I ask her to come on the podcast? <laughs> okay. Well, they say the average adult makes a minimum of thirty thousand oh, decisions my a day. Goodness, is that crazy? That is insane. It's insane. And yet, How many seconds do we even have in a day? I know. 30, I know. Thousand. It's like all these decisions that we're making. So when you don't offer somebody the opportunity to close on the call with you, you're essentially saying to them, hey, put me on your board for making decisions, which is ultimately your to-do list, and then get back to me when you're ready, which now you're below 30,000 other decisions because if it's the next day, or what if it's two days later? What if it's a week later? What are the chances you're ever going to get the top of that to-do list where they go, oh, I'm going to hire Lindsay now? Mm-hmm. It's slim. So when it does happen, be really grateful that, that somebody came back at you. Now, to be really respectful and honor your type of processing, because there are people out there who want to think about it, who want a chance to process come up with questions, see like gut check, whatever is going on for you. So when when I close and I, I offer somebody the opportunity to work with me, so I might say, you know, based on what we've talked about, Lindsay, you'd be an ideal candidate for the Sales Maven Society. This is a little bit about it. Does that sound like something you're interested in, you know, being a part of? That's my close, by the way. And if you say, you know, Nikki, I really, I, I just need to some time to process it. I'm going to say, I'm going to respect you. You're an adult. And I'm going to say, I totally understand about how much time do you think you'd need? And let's go ahead and schedule a circle back call now. That way I can answer any additional questions that come up for you. And then we can decide on next steps from there. Is that okay? And then I'm going to ask you if we can get it on our calendars. I'm going to schedule a time for you and I to reconnect. Now, what that's going to do is it's going to give you, it's going to respect you and your process. It's also going to ensure that I get moved up on your to-do list for making a decision. Because if you're like most people, you tell me if this is you, Lindsay, we're just meeting. So most of us live and breathe our calendars, right? It's like, if it's not on my calendar, it probably doesn't exist in my world. And it's probably not going to be a priority, right? So if I'm on your calendar and we agree that we're going to talk at 10 o'clock on Friday for, you know, for you to ask any last questions and for us to decide about next steps. Well, Friday morning, when you look at your calendar, you're going to go, Oh, I have this call with Nikki. How do I feel about it? Do I want to join the sales maven society or, you know, do I want to talk to her about working with her privately or maybe like I don't think I want to work with her at all. Mm -hmm. So chances are you're going to send me an email and say, Hey, Nikki, I've made a decision. I'm not interested in working with you. Hopefully you say it a little nicer than that, but you know, (laughs) it's like, go, go pound sand, Nikki, whatever. (laughs) So you'll cancel that appointment. So you doesn't waste your time. Doesn't waste my time. And then now I know, or you'll get on the call with me. Maybe you have a couple questions that you've thought about and you didn't think to ask me on the first call. I'll answer those questions. I'll issue a closed statement again. I'll issue that invitation for you to work with me again. And then it'll give you the opportunity to decide. So be respectful of where the person is. Mm -hmm. And remember, this is hard. Not everybody's like you. Mm -hmm. So some people are fast decision makers and they're like, hey, when I get something put in front of me, I just decide yes, no, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, And if you don't give them that opportunity to make that decision, it may never come back around. You'll never make it back up to the top of their to-do list. Yeah. So in order to do that, then for you, that proposal process is always a live proposal process. It's not a... Well, let me, let's, let's address that too. So proposal for me is, it depends on the type of business you're in, right? If you need to send somebody a formal proposal, because that does sound very formal. I'm not talking about proposal necessarily in the like a formal, like written document, but maybe in your business, it does require a formal written document. And if that's the case, then how I would want you to handle it is I would like for you to say like, okay, I'm going to put together a proposal for you. I'll have that to you on Wednesday. 
can we schedule a call just to chat Thursday morning to review it together, answer any questions that come to mind, and then talk about next steps? Because if I just say, let me send this over to you, look at it, and then let me know, that's essentially me saying to you, now, again, I I understand the reason you're saying this to somebody is you want to be respectful. But what you're really saying to them is, put me on the bottom of your to-do list, look at the proposal in your time and make some decisions. And then you make the effort to come back to me and let me know, which if you're asking the client to earn your, like for them to earn, to do business with you, you have a misunderstood process of selling. Mm -hmm. It's your job to earn their business. It's not their job to like, just give up their business to you. You got to earn it. And the way you earn it is you make it so easy for them to be successful. The way you're going to make it easy for them to review the proposal is you're going to schedule a time to walk them through it. Because, I mean, just think about all the times where maybe somebody has sent you something with your good intention of that you were going to look at it, but you got busy. Life got, you know, hectic. And maybe you never even looked at that email that they sent. And, you know, three years later, you're cleaning out your inbox. I don't know if you're that kind of person. I am. I will say I have lots of stuff in my inbox. So if you're cleaning out your inbox and you're like, oh, I never even looked at this. That's so interesting because I bought something else two years ago. Right. And you're like, but you never even gave that person a chance. The reason you didn't give them a chance is because they didn't make it easy for you. Right. Yeah. I love that advice. And I love the the advice of sending it along, but before you do getting, getting them back on your calendar, because there's nothing worse than sending a proposal in that time between proposal and response. You're just like somewhere between the ground and space hovering, like, are they going to respond? Am I going to land this deal? And that's a terrible place to be emotionally as well. And so at least if you can get it on the calendar to say, let's review Yeah. It makes it easier. It makes it easier to keep moving forward. That's right. And it makes it easier for the, for the prospect as well. And that's your job. Your job is to make it as easy for them as possible to hire you. Mm -hmm. If you put roadblocks up in front of prospective clients, they won't go around them. They won't crawl over them. They'll stop and they'll wait until they meet somebody else who does what it, what you do and who makes it easy for them. And that person will earn their business. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't a guarantee that you're going to earn somebody's business every time, but it will increase your success rate significantly if you will make it easy for people. So be really cautious about putting up roadblocks. And this is something that I often work with clients on where they'll come to me and I'll ask them like, explain to me your sales process. And they'll be like, well, it takes six times to earn somebody's business, like six calls. And I'm like, that's a problem. Let's back up. Who's got time in their schedule to have six different interactions before you earn somebody's business? Now, it may actually take six times with some people, but I guarantee you there are people right now who want to buy from you. And just to to put like a another little like, exclamation point on what we're talking about is I have a client right now. She is new in my group coaching program, which is the Sales Maven Society. She does uh, fractional CFO services. And she just posted in the group recently, she was hearing me talk about this, like you actually can close on that call with somebody and here's how to do it. And I'm giving the process for it and the language too. And uh, she posted one day on the group and she's like, first time I've ever gone in for the close on the call and the person just paid me immediately. And I was like, that's awesome. And then the next day she posted again. She's like, it just happened again. I had another call. And I was like, yes, this is is you making it easy for people to say yes to you. And therefore they will. Whereas before she was slowing down the process, not, not intentionally, but she was slowing it down because she was like, I want to be respectful. I want to give this person time to process and think about it. Well, two of those people that she had back-to-back calls with, they didn't need time to process. They were in, they were ready to go. Mm-hmm. And you got to take their, you got to take their money. You got to take their order when they're ready to go. Don't say like, Ooh, slow down be sure, be really, really sure you want to hire me because that will cause people to go, well, maybe I don't want to hire you. Like, why should I, why should I be slowing down? 
It, you know, that reminds me, I worked with some clients. I hired them and then they turned around and hired me. It was one of those, those deals. I love that. Um, you know, just two great, fabulous guys that run an agency. And because of our relationship, I was slower in that sales process with them because I knew how ridiculously busy they were. And I think I pretty much knew that it was in the bag anyways, but that was one of the pieces of constructive feedback that they gave to me. Steven said, you know, Lindsay, I know that this, this, and this is happening and that we told you we weren't in a hurry, but if this had been another person, like we might've moved on because the, the process was slow. And that was a real... That was not like, that was a great piece of advice for them mm -hmm. to impart to me because it did make me step back and look at my process and ask some of those questions that you're asking now of if you don't get your foot in the door and keep it there, somebody else is going to come in. That's right. What a gift they gave to you by giving oh, you that absolutely. They're feedback. <laughs> yeah. You know, you say somewhere that you are an introvert, but you teach people how to do sales. And so mm -hmm. number one fellow introvert here as well. So how on earth did it happen that you as an introvert are like, you know what? I'm teaching other people how to do sales. And two, what can extroverts who think that they're already great at sales learn from your approach? Okay. So, well, first of all, the whole introvert extrovert, I started my sales career in a very male dominated industry with at a company where the top producers in the company were really like, we're going to go out and hunt the big game and we're going to kill the, you know, and it was this very like aggressive, <laughs> I mean, they call it like bro marketing, you know, <laughs> kind of approach to sales. And here's, you know, me at the time I was in my early twenties, super shy and introverted. And I was like, how am I going to be successful here? And what I found was that my key to success was in building relationships. And so I needed to, find, like everybody, you need to find the thing that makes you uniquely you and amplify that because that will attract your ideal client. Mm -hmm. And then I started learning neuro-linguistic programming and that took my sales skills to a whole nother level because it made me a much better communicator. Mm -hmm. And I was able to pick up subtle cues from people. I was able to make some adjustments to my own style to put other people at ease and really the my business was born out of this idea of when i left my very male dominated industry to kind of figure out what i was going to be when i grew up i was 40 at that time <laughs> and uh was trying to figure out what i was going to be i started hanging around these super cool amazing entrepreneurial women and i hadn't spent a lot of time with entrepreneurial women women that just wasn't something i had ever done and that was when, as I was getting to know these super cool women, and I just wanted to be around them all the time because I was so inspired by their passion, they were struggling to make money. And the reason they were struggling to make money is because they didn't understand the selling process. They didn't know how to recognize a buying signal. They weren't really sure what to say. They were doing a lot of this like, I just want to educate. And it was like, but not everybody wants to be educated. <laughs> and so you're actually like, irritating people by doing this. Right. And so I just started teaching some of them on the side and really my business was born out of them going, I had no idea about buying signals. I had no idea that if I just said this one thing that it would offer people the opportunity to move to the next step with me. And really my business was like, well, if I can show people how to do the things that I know work, that feels really genuine and authentic to them and to me, then I'm going to help make a bigger impact in the world, which is my mission. Mm -hmm. So I will say that my approach to sales is it's built on the foundation of rapport. And I always say, you know, relationship first, rapport always. Selling to me isn't something that you do to another person. It's something you do with another person so that it brings in that collaborative approach and so it really works for the introvert. And then to answer your second question about what an extrovert can learn is it's kind of the same message that I was giving to you earlier is that not everybody's style is like your style. And when you can learn how to add flexibility to your own style 
to put the other person at ease, what will happen is they will stay in conversation with you longer. They'll be more open to hearing your message. And the best part is they'll also be more revealing about how to earn their business. So my all-time favorite quote, and I put this on the back of all of my workbooks, and I I really feel like this, this quote kind of encompasses everything I teach. And it's, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. <laughs> I am teaching people how to be flexible in their style. So just like an extrovert is perfect in who they are, they can add some flexibility to their behavior, their style, the way they show up in conversation to make the other person comfortable. And then you can have real conversations and have real opportunities to earn somebody's business. I love that. Just points to stepping in with a posture of curiosity and humility, no matter who you are, extrovert, introvert. I was interviewing a a LinkedIn coach a couple, maybe a year ago now. Time doesn't even like move correctly anymore. So I don't know how long ago it was, but very extroverted person, very. And so that I, I felt that very much as well, like almost bulldozed over. And I don't think that it was intentional. Like he wasn't trying to be a jerk, but because he came in with a single minded approach, didn't really seek to find out about me, really understand what my mission or my goal or my, even my approach, how does Lindsay uniquely really step into her space before all this advice started being thrown at me? I ultimately said, you know, I'm just not going to work with you. It's not the right time. I have some other things I, I need to pursue. And he did what you had suggested earlier. Well, can, can I ask why? And so I can't remember what I told him. I didn't feel that relationship and that rapport wasn't there that I felt like I could really be honest. Like, you know, you really stepped in and you bulldozed over me, blah, blah, blah. And he kept trying, like he probably for the next three weeks would show up in my messages asking, Hey, can we meet? Can we meet? Can we meet? And I just felt so pummeled. Like, listen, Mm -hmm. I've told you two times why I'm not meeting with you. Take that and go. Like you're just reinforcing why this wasn't a good fit. And again, he's a fine person, but because there wasn't that acknowledgement and that space for me to actually feel seen and known just didn't work. Yeah. Anytime you walk, you show up in a conversation and you treat a prospective client, like they're just a wallet. You're not listening. You're not picking up cues. You're not willing to adjust your style a little bit to, to make sure that they're comfortable in the conversation. And the other thing too, that I do teach and talk about is creating safety. And it's super important to create safety in conversations with your prospective clients. And there are ways to do this. There are simple ways to create safety. But if you don't create safety with somebody, and I know that sometimes people go like, safety, that's that's crazy. Like, it's not like they're going to get hurt in a conversation. But people do leave feeling pinched. I would say my, you know, listening to what you're saying, maybe you felt a little pinched by this person. Like you said, bulldoze. That's a pretty extreme, you know, Right. response. Mm-hmm. And for somebody to leave you feeling pinched or bulldozed in any way, that's a misstep on his part. That is not you. That's not a reflection of you. He missed some steps there. And one of the most important things he missed was creating safety for you. Mm-hmm. If you can't create safety in, in a conversation with a prospective client, what happens is they get in their head, especially those of us who are introverts. We get in our head and we've got a lot of stuff going on during that conversation. We're thinking a lot of thoughts. We've got different scenarios running through. We're trying to like figure out how to get out of the conversation. Like there's all these things. Well, if you don't create safety and the other person has got all these stuff running through their head, they're not even able to participate really in the conversation because they're up in their head. And you've got to create safety. You've got to, like I always say, calm the waters Mm -hmm. so the other person can be present in the conversation. Now, it's not being manipulative. It's It's not being controlling. You're still selling to adults. They get to decide. And it's not like I'm saying to you, like, Lindsay, calm down, because that's annoying, right? None of us want to hear that. (laughs) But there are things that can happen that will create safety that will allow for you to go like, okay, I feel at least safe enough to be revealing, even if you weren't going to, you know, work with me, that if I'd created safety for you, you would have been able to say to me, the reason I'm not ready to work with you is because of this reason, right? 
but you didn't feel safe. So of course you're not going to tell him the real reason. So that's a misstep on, on the part of the salesperson here. And we all make missteps, like just be honest. I'm, I make missteps too. And by having these skills, by, by knowing how to create safety, by following a process, by being able to ask a question that allows the other person to really be heard and seen and paid attention to, then, you know, chances are he might've actually got your business. Right. What I love about this conversation is that it's not just, it doesn't just belong in sales. Like this is true for all of life and all of relationships. You know, one of the ways he could have created safety for me, it's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like this, but immediately early in our conversation, he asked me, and this is LinkedIn. This is a LinkedIn coach who should have checked out my LinkedIn profile before we got on the call. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, well, did you go to college? I have a master's degree. And I could care less about the masters. Like, it's not like I go around, it's not an egotistical thing at all, but that he asked it. And I'm like, yeah, I graduated from college twice. Like, why did you not, why did you not do your homework on me? And so immediately that was a step back for me. Like you didn't even do your homework before you didn't even invest in me before you jumped on a call. Mm. What are some other, what's another way or two that we can create safety for people that we're stepping into conversation with? Well, one of the easiest ways to create safety at the start of conversation is to pre-frame what's going to happen. Most people don't pre-frame. And so then the other person is like, I don't know where we're going. So I'm going to kind of follow along, but I'm going to be like, I'm going to, you know, keep my, like play my cards really close to my, to my vest here because I don't know what's going to happen. So an example of a pre-frame is to set the stage to create safety. So if I, if you and I were getting on a call when I do my job right and I do what I teach, I walk my my talk here, I would say, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking this time to chat with me today. The purpose of our call is to find out a little bit about what's going on for you and your business and yourselves. And we're scheduled to chat for about 30 minutes. Does that still work in your schedule? Because I've got to make sure that if you're thinking like, I really only have 25 minutes and then I've got to, you know, I have another appointment I have to prep for, or I have to go get the kids from school or, you know, who knows what's going on. I don't want you thinking during the conversation, should I speak up now and tell Nikki that I don't have the full 30 minutes? So I'm going to give you the opportunity to say, yes, that still works. Or actually, Nikki, we need to get this done in 20 right? Mm -hmm. So does that still work for you? And then I would say, in order to make this time meaningful and productive, is it okay if I start with a couple quick questions? So that sets the stage right there that I'm going to, with your permission, I'm going to lead the conversation. If I just say, okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions. Ready? Here we go. And I just like bulldoze through that. Mm -hmm. I don't get your permission. At some point you might feel like, I feel like I'm on the witness stand. <laughs> Why am I being interrogated? Right, and the like, right. did you go to college question? It comes out of nowhere. And if I'm going to ask a question like that, I would give some context to it because I'm not sure how going to college has anything to do with LinkedIn. Exactly. I when felt it, suddenly like I was earning, is this about me earning the right to speak? to speak into my audience. Like, yes, very much was where I wish I would have just said that. Where are you going with this? (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what, what are you trying to get with that question? I I will say uh, as the, you know, I teach this to my clients too. I always teach, and this comes from my background in NLP, consumer protection for your own mind, that it's important when you're in the position of being the client that you have some skills as well to, to create boundaries and also to, to be willing to give yourself that space to know that you don't have to answer every question. And just because somebody asks you a question, (laughs) I think we learn this as kids, like you got asked a question, you better answer it. Mm -hmm. But as adults, there are ways that when somebody asks you a question and you're not really sure why, or whether or not you want to answer that question, there's some language that you can have at the ready. So this is just for anybody listening in case it's helpful. And maybe for you, Lindsay, too. If somebody asks you a question and you're like, okay, what? Is say, I'm really curious what, what prompted that question. I love that. And then you let them answer 
And if you don't want to answer the question, the original question, you just move on with the conversation. So if I said, I'm so curious what prompted that question. And he said, well, the reason I'm asking is this, this, and this. And then I would go, okay, um, what's your next question? Mm, I love it. Because I'm sending the message. Now, if he went back and went like, do you, did you go to college or not? I would say, I'm, I don't know that I, I don't, I don't see how that question is relevant. So I'm going to pass. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to say to somebody, I'm going to pass. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to opt out here. You, you're an adult. You're, it's your choice. And, you know, again, it's his job to earn your business. <laughs> it's not your job to answer all of his questions that make you feel uncomfortable or make you question, like, where are we going? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There have been times I've been on calls with potential clients where really early in, you know, right away, this is not a fit. This is not my type of person. Can you talk us through how to land that plane so that you save yourself the 25 extra minutes on the 30 call when you know five five minutes in, this is not a go. How do you do that tactfully, respectfully? Yeah. What do you do in that situation? So I have a whole course on how to decline business. So I'm going to give you just one answer. In that moment, I would probably say to the person, I would say, you know, just based on these few minutes that we've chatted, I get a sense that I am not the right person for you. So I'm going to respectfully decline continuing this conversation. It was very nice to meet you and I wish you well. That's it. I'm not going to give a lot of story. I'm not going to go into like, here's all the reasons why I don't want to work with you or here's the reasons why I don't think you should hire me. It's like, nope, I'm just stating a fact mm-hmm. and I'm going to respectfully decline. And and I'm not leaving any room for any additional conversation. I'm going to say, and I wish you well. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. That's the end and of the conversation. Try not to get baited in when they yeah. dig in. Yeah. If, if they want to dig in with you, if they're like, well, I don't understand, like, what's your reason? And you go, well, I just, it's for me, a lot of it is like gut check. And I just can tell, like, I don't think we're the right fit. Mm -hmm. Again, I wish you well. I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day. And I would end the call with that. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, click off of the zoom or, or I would hate zoom. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not that you have to, again, as, as an adult, you get to decide how much information and anytime you get into a debate with somebody and you try to start justifying, you are basically giving them ammunition to negate your point. Mm -hmm. So it's better. Actually, it's like less is more in this situation. If you can, if you can do it without story, because story is something that somebody can then try to pick apart. Well, you said this, but that's actually not true because of blah, blah, blah. And well, then you said this other thing and here's why that's not true. Well, now we're getting into an argument about something that's completely, now you're wasting those 25 minutes that you could have gotten back anyway. So it's better to just be respectful. And if they are offended by you saying, I'm going to respectfully decline and I wish you well, then that's on them. Right. And usually further, further proof that you declining is, was the good and right choice. It was the right choice. I have four children, 22 on down to 16. And that is probably, if you asked them, they would say, yeah, that's definitely mom and dad's advice on repeat. Like we will say, when you're going into a hard conversation, know what you're going to say and say that only do not get baited in to saying more. Like you have, you have your points and that's it because they will try to bait you in. And you will always lose. That's what we've yeah. always, always said. And it is so true. Yeah. That's, a, that's beautiful advice. How lucky your kids are to get that. <laughs> well, we'll see if they actually absorb it and apply it. <laughs> I'll, bet they, I'll bet they do and will. And, you know, your parents always get smarter as you get older anyway. Yes, so. that is so, so very true. So you're moving in the right direction <laughs> as your kids age. <laughs> Curious as to when you are on a call with a client. And you just sense that they're putting up walls, you know, when when we've talked about some of this, you know, creating a sense of safety and being curious and all of those steps that you talk about, but in spite of doing all of those things, right, you still know that they're just, they're just holding back for whatever reason. And so what do you do in those situations? How do you move through or around those walls? 
So I would ask a question. I will say when in doubt in any sales situation or in life, when you're unsure of what to do or what to say, ask a question. So there's a couple questions that you could ask here. One that doesn't have any context to it. And this is actually one of my like, put this question in your back pocket and always have it at the ready. It's a non-context question and it's, how are we doing so far? Now, the thing about the question is it leaves it open for interpretation by the other person. So they could say, well, you know, we haven't really talked about such and such. And I thought that's what we were going to do. Well, now I know where they're focused on. And now I know where to go next. If you say, how, how are we doing so far? And they go, well, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Something about this feels off, right? Like now it opens up the discussion. If they go, we're fine. And you still are like, okay, and that didn't that didn't really land the way I was hoping, or I didn't get the kind of response that I was hoping. I might actually address it, but now what you do with your body language and your voice is going to be so crucial to the success of the relationship. So you cannot say to somebody, you know, I get a sense that you're that you're holding back and you're being defensive. So you know how, like you can hear how direct my voice was with that and my body language a little bit too. You can see me, but I know your audience Mm -hmm. can't. So instead, I want you to soften your voice and say, you know, I'm curious and I'm actually going to look away. I'm actually going to look up from you. So I'm going to take my eyes off you to, because the thing about the eyes is they're super powerful Mm -hmm. and It's like, you know, there's a lot of songs that have been written about the eyes, the power of the eyes. They feel like spotlights sometimes when people are looking right at you. So I'm going to divert my eyes. I'm going to move them away from you. And I'm going to say, you know, so I'm curious. I'm wondering, is there anything that I could say or do that would, that would make you more comfortable in this conversation? And then I'm going to give you my eyes back and then I'm going to wait. So notice I soften my voice when I say this, I go, so I, I'm curious, is there anything I could say or do that, that might make you more comfortable in this conversation? Mm-hmm. And then I would divert my eyes again, and I'm going to wait for you to do something. <laughs> I'm going to wait for you to move. I'm going to wait for you to take a big full breath, or I'm going to wait for you to respond. Mm-hmm. And then my eyes will come back to you. Mm-hmm. And and I know that's a little bit, maybe that's more than what you were hoping for in an answer. No, it's but, fantastic. Okay, so when you can do these things, and give people time and space to process because the person who is that you get a sense they're holding back, it could be that there's something else going on. First of all, there could be something going on outside of camera view that you have no awareness of, mm-hmm. and they're not sure how to bring it into the conversation. Or it could be that they just got a text message of really bad news. Or it, I mean, there's so many things and you don't want to make assumptions about what's going on. So you want to give time and space for them to either tell you, bring it to a close, you know, th- things happen sometimes, right? And maybe right before they got on the call with you, some they had a big fight with their significant other, or I mean, you just don't know what's going on for people. So don't make assumptions, check, ask. Mm-hmm. Now, how you ask is so, so crucial because how it's going to land to the other person, it should land soft and it should land from a place of care mm-hmm. and genuine curiosity. Don't act like you know the answer. Don't be aggressive about it. Be soft and see what happens. You know, some of these things that you're talking through, I'm guessing are out of your study of NLP. Yeah. And so, and, and like I mentioned earlier, this isn't, you teach it through the, the vehicle of sales, but this mm-hmm. is life stuff. Like this is stuff you use in the argument with your spouse or the discussion with your kid's teacher or, you know, the, the hard moments this is stuff that you use. And so, what are maybe one or two other little NLP secrets that you can give us that can really, you know, small things like looking away, but very intentional, like that's got to take some practice for it to feel normal for you being the one doing it. So what are a few of those other things that you could kind of give us those secrets to? Well, here's one that is a life skill. And I do teach it from the lens of sales. It's about managing your own state management. So that internal state of mind that you have, 
like all of us, you know, everybody's busy, everybody's got challenges and life issues. And, and the thing is, is that when you go into what could be an uncomfortable or difficult conversation, if you're not the best version of yourself that you can be in that moment, that to me kind of translates into being resilient, right? Like there are certain, certain situations where you're feeling really good. Life is good. The kids are good. The, you know, the relationship is good. Business is good. All these things. And you go into a, maybe a conversation that might be a little uncomfortable, but you just handle it. Like it's like water off a duck's back. Like it just barely even makes a ripple in the water. Mm-hmm. But if you're having a bad day, you know, you got cut off in traffic or you spilt, you know, I just did this the other day as I was walking out with my hands full, dumped a huge thing of water and ice, like all over the floor as I'm just leaving for something, you know, it's like, ah, that can kind of derail you a little bit. You're not your most resilient. So when you go into some, some type of a conversation and something happens and you're like, ah, the water thing happened. And now this person, and you're like, it can crush you. Mm-hmm. Even though if it had happened last week or the day before the water incident or whatever, you know, it wouldn't even phased you. Right. So there's lots of things that can kind of derail us. And you need, you need to do something to protect your state of mind so that when you're going into situations that it doesn't, you can set aside any of the things that happened before. So there is an NLP process for it, but I will say, and you know, I can go into as much detail and for timing and stuff like that. I don't know where we are, but I will say that if you don't have some way to access a resilient state for you before you go into a meeting, into a conversation, into a situation where you feel insecure, or you might not feel your most best self, learning how to manage your internal state will be a game changer for you. So I do teach a process around this. It's simple. It's easy. Um, my clients report, report back to me that I, t- I teach it again from the lens of sales, but I also use it like sometimes before I get on a phone call with my mom and I use it before we go to lunch. <laughs> and, you know, and I have friend, or I have clients that have said like, oh my gosh, Nikki, you know, before I went to my you know, family reunion, I was using that process and I was teaching it to people and they were loving it. And and I remember one client, she she took it to a family reunion. She's like, I had the best family reunion I've ever had. And I usually dread them. So you have to learn how to manage your internal state because life will throw things at you. And when you can walk into a meeting, even when something hasn't gone well earlier in the day or life is hard, and you can be the best version of yourself for that limited time. I'm not saying like walk around like Pollyanna, right? That's not at all what I'm saying. But if you can go in and be the best version of yourself for that limited time, and then when the, you know, the call's done or the conversation's done or whatever, you can go back to lamenting, you know, that life is hard and however, you know, if you need to have some, you know, release you know, whether it's tears or whatever, anger or whatever, that's okay. But give yourself that moment to manage your state and it will, it will be a game changer. And just to be really revealing about this, like the last three years of my life have been absolutely the hardest ever. And some people know about what's going on, but most people don't. It's not something that I bring into my work. But I will say I've had to do a lot of state management these last mm-hmm. three years. Mm-hmm. And people who know me, who do have some behind the scenes insight into my life will say like, it's not showing up in your work. Like it's not showing up in, you know, when you're showing up online, when you're showing up in your group coaching calls, like I'm not seeing it, but mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. I just manage my state really well. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not even, I'm not even pretending. I'm just able by managing my state to set aside what's going on in my personal life to being able to go, I'm going to be the best version of myself right now for this moment, for as long as I need to be in this situation. And sometimes just to be really candid, the best version of yourself, if you look at it and you rate it on a scale of like one to 10, some days when you're like, you're really on, you might be like a nine, you might be like knocking it out of the park. You're like, this is the best version of me ever. But other days, you might be a four, you might even be a three. And the idea isn't to try to get yourself to a nine, because that's unrealistic. 
But if you can get yourself from a three to a four, or even to a five, you're showing up as the best version you can be right then in that moment. And that is enough. <laughs> I feel like that's I'm going to step oh. off my soapbox now. Oh, no, that's so great and so powerful and so true. A couple of weeks ago, my husband and I were prepping for what we knew was going to be a really hard meeting with somebody else. And, you know, we going into it, we're like, we just don't think that this is going to go as what we hope it's going to go. And I had told my husband, you lead this because you're the expert in this space. You do it. You are much better at this. I'm just going to be the support system. And he's like, no, you speak into it when you need to speak in, you know, like, don't just sit there and be quiet. And it did go off the rails as we anticipated. And what was interesting is my husband was leading it. And as the person across the desk starts raising his voice at Ben, I just sit up and I say to him, this really isn't necessary. And I am a very emotional human being, not like cry, but like, I don't get, I don't cry. I get angry is what I always say. I, you know, Ben knows when I get angry, what I'm really doing is I'm crying. I just don't have tears, but there wasn't an ounce of emotion flooding through my body. Nothing. It was the most surreal experience for me as a 46 year old woman who knows very much what it feels like for emotion to just like go through my entire body. I just said, this is not necessary. And I you know, said some other things to him, but when I said that he like jolted back, almost like if I were to slap somebody like wake up, get, get yourself together. That's what happened. And he looks at Ben and apologizes and he ends up apologizing to us two more times before we leave the meeting. But I hadn't thought about it in the frame that you just put it. That's, that's what, that's probably why I was able to have that like surreal response is because I had spent so much time prior thinking through, this is how this situation is going to go. How are you going to respond? Like I had played it through to its worst scenario is to know what I was going to do. So it is, it is powerful. It is transformative. Incredible to be able to do that. Now, to your point, I spent the next two weeks ranting and raving about that to my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. Like you have to have time to like, let your guard down and be vulnerable and have your emotions. Like your emotions are there for a reason. It's Mm -hmm. healthy. Mm -hmm. And there are times to manage them too. Yeah, this is great. Well, Nikki, you are brilliant. We could talk for a whole another hour. This has been fantastic. Where can people, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. I'd like to offer a gift to your audience, if that's okay. Be great. We talked about the five steps of the selling staircase, but we didn't get into like the the tactical part of it. So I have a training. It's called Mastering the Sales Conversation, where I do a deeper dive into the five steps. It's a short training. It's like less than 20 minutes and it will prepare you for your sales conversations. So I'd like to gift that to your audience. You can get it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash storyhouse. So this is for your audience. Let that be my gift to you. and, And then we'll be connected from there. And awesome. yeah, you can also find me. I have a podcast. I think you mentioned this called Sales Maven. If you listen to podcasts, check mine out if you like the idea of getting some additional sales support. Yeah. And let's be connected. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Nikki, and have a great day. Thank you. As founder and CEO at Storyhouse 15, my vision is to build a world of people who have answered the call that's been uniquely placed upon their lives. So if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And if you're ready to grow and pivot with clarity and confidence, be sure to stop by and say hello at storyhouse15.com.